الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم عنبت نفس ما أحضرت سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المصيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Human beings, we often change our tone of voice and our choice of speech depending on if we're speaking with someone who is subordinate to us or superordinate to us. If we're speaking with someone who's subordinate to us, we speak differently. Our tone is different, our language is different, our approach is different, and even our body language is different. But when we speak to someone who's superordinate to us, it's a completely different uh, approach. So for instance, one person has a parent and they have a child. If your parent is someone who you respect and someone who you hold in high regard and someone who you have some fear or awe in your heart for, then you will speak with them with a certain level of dignity and a certain level of respect. And sometimes your tone will be very soft because you are subordinate to your parents. They are responsible for you. And so you're very careful with what you say, especially at certain times in your life. And for when you speak with your children, it's completely different. Now you're superordinate. You sometimes raise your voice. Sometimes you will try to put them in their place. Sometimes you will reprimand them. And sometimes you'll just like to, for the sake of showing them who you are, uh, you'll give it to them. You have friends. When you have friends, you're often very comfortable. And either you're on the same level as them, or maybe they're somewhat subordinate to you. So you'll speak with them very casually. Sometimes you'll raise your voice. Sometimes you will, uh, you will brag about something that you did. Sometimes you will speak highly about some characteristic, or some trait, or some attribute that you have. Sometimes you'll gloat, and you'll try to prove them wrong in certain situations or circumstances. But then you present yourself in front of your boss at work and it's a completely different story. Now you are going to be very calm because you're subordinate. Your speech, your tone will be different. Language that you use, your approach, your body language will be different. Your head will be down. You will speak in a lower tone. You won't dare to challenge anything your boss says. And if there are things that you disagree with, you'll initially just be quiet, you'll accept what's said. Sometimes you'll even just admit guilty for the sake of that interaction, for the sake of your long-term success. You'll just accept that what they're saying, I'll take it in, I'm not going to challenge it. Because you're subordinate to your boss. And you wouldn't dare challenge them because you know the consequences of challenging someone of that much authority. So this is how we communicate with people. We're either subordinate, we're either superordinate, and depending on the circumstance, we act very differently. And everyone can apply this to their own life. Now, interestingly, you see this in the life of the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, as well. But the difference was that in the case of the Sahaba, their language or their communication, their approach, would completely change 
when they were communicating with Allah versus when they were communicating with people. It was a different story. So you can take the example of Umar radiallahu anhu. We know him to be one of the greatest of the companions. We know him to be one of the ten that was guaranteed Jannah by the Prophet We know him to be one of, we know him to be a leader of our ummah. And we know him to be a just ruler. Now when the time for the Hijrah came from Mecca to Medina, the Sahaba were leaving Mecca out of persecution very quietly. They would quietly leave. They would try to sneak out of the city. And many of them were successful and they escaped. But Umar anhu, he wasn't having it. He was thinking in his mind, why do I need to be silent about our deen? What do we have to hide? So he was very vocal about this and outspoken. So he presented himself to the Kaaba. And he spoke up and he said what he was about to do. He said, I'm leaving to Madinah Munawwara. And if anyone wants to challenge me, come challenge me. If anyone wants their mother to no longer have a son, come challenge me. If anyone wants their wife to be a widow, come challenge me. These were his words. If anyone wants their child to become an orphan, come stop me. And he left. Nobody dared challenge him, and he proceeded on his way to Medina Munawwara. This is how he communicated with people, especially people that he had some degree of authority over. Or that weren't deserving, you could say, of, his, uh, uh, of, of anything more. But then you say the same Umar radiallahu anhu, and when he's communicating with Allah Ta'ala, it's a completely different ballgame. His approach is completely different. Once he was giving the khutbah, and it said that when he would give the khutbah, he would recite the surah, uh, And when he came to that a person will come to know what he's sort of done for himself, he would cry, and he would cry profusely. He would cry, and he would stop speaking during the khutbah in front of the entire ummah. On another occasion, the Prophet Umar radiallahu anhu, the fiercest of the Sahaba, he was leading the Fajr prayer. And he was reading Surah Yusuf, and he came across the verse, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ That this is what Ya'qub said to his sons, that I only complain of my grief and my sorrow to Allah. So when Umar anhu came to this verse, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ He stopped and he started crying. And he was crying so loud that the Sahabi who narrates this was in the back row of this congregation. And this was a big ummah at the time. He could hear the crying of Umar anhu from him leading. There was no microphone. But he was now communicating with his Allah. He was no longer communicating with people. And now at the time of Umar anhu's death, you know that he was stabbed while he was leading Salah. And about three days after he had passed away. Now as he was nearing that, he was very ill after the incident. And he was lying down, and he was lying down in the lap of his son, Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu. 
So he was lying down in his lap, and Umar anhu told his son, put my head on the ground. Put my head on the ground. This is Amir al-Mu'mineen. This is our leader. He was a leader of the Muslims. And he was the fiercest of the companions. No one could challenge Umar anhu. In fact, it's said that when Umar anhu accepted Islam, the the approach of deen altogether changed. It was through Umar anhu accepting Islam that now the Muslims could be actually outspoken and speak up for themselves. Finally. So he said, put my head on the ground. Abdullah, his son, said, what difference does it make if your head is in my lap or your head is in the ground? And then he said something to the extent of, my mother and my, my, neither my mother nor myself will be saved uh, if Allah Ta'ala doesn't forgive me. Now, this is how he approached Allah. Now, if Umar anhu were to walk into this room right now, we would shake for many reasons. One, because he's a Sahabi, but two, of what kind of Sahabi he was. If he were to walk into any gathering, people would shake. People were so afraid. Forget people being afraid of him. When Umar anhu would walk down one street, Shaytan was so afraid he'd take a different street. Comes in narration. That's how afraid Shaytan was, Umar anhu. People forget about it. You couldn't come near him. People were afraid of him. <coughs> but yet when he would communicate with Allah, everything would change. He was no longer the Umar that we think of. That's like a different person. Because now he wasn't communicating with people. He was communicating with Allah Ta'ala to whom he was subservient to. Now we learn from this. That when we communicate with Allah, it's different than communicating with people. And this particular comes to mind in the last few nights of Ramadan when we're basically in desperation mode. We have nowhere to turn. We have no one to help us. We have no assistance. We're just desperately in need of Allah Ta'ala's mercy. You know, the days of planning, the first 10 or 15 days of Ramadan, those are now gone. The days of uh, preparation, those are gone. The days of striving through a'mal, those are essentially over. We don't have anything to show to Allah. We don't have any deeds that we can say, uh, that we can stand on to present to Allah. We don't have any actions that we can feel comfortable with showing to Allah. Uh, if anything, we've spent most of this month actually transgressing against Allah rather than the opposite. Now, we're in desperation mode. We have no choice but now to approach Allah. And when we think, well, how do I now approach my Allah? You know, Umar radiallahu anhu, he was such a special person that the Prophet said, If there were to be a prophet after me, and I know the prophets are guaranteed Jannah, and know that. Prophets don't make any mistakes. So the Prophet said about him, that if there were a prophet to come after me, it would be Umar. And Umar anhu was one of the Ashara Mubashara, one of those that was guaranteed Jannah. Now if he 
approach Allah Ta'ala in this way out of fear for himself and his salvation despite more or less a guarantee from the beloved messenger what should be our state when we approach our Allah and there's no guarantee on this side there's no guarantee you know Umar we learned yesterday or two days ago that he would think in his mind that if it was decreed that only that everybody in the world except one would enter Jahannam he would think that it was him So when we're conversing with our Allah in these last few nights of Ramadan, the approach that we take is similar to how we would take when we've really messed up. Let's say that you've been assigned some project at work and you just completely dropped it. And then you show up to your boss's office and ask what happened. Now you can try to defend yourself and you can try to say that, you know, it's actually because of this or that. Reality is I needed more time. I wasn't aware. I needed more help. Or you can just accept and say that, you know what, I messed up. Just give me a second chance. I messed up. In the court of Allah Ta'ala, we will only succeed if we plead guilty to Allah. In the court of people, we may succeed if we plead not guilty. In the court of our friends, we may succeed if we plead not guilty. In the court of our parents, we may succeed if we plead not guilty. But in the court of Allah Ta'ala, the only way out is through pleading guilty. Accepting that we are wretched servants of His that have nothing to present before Him. But rather, we're just simply desperately in need of His mercy. The last 10 days of Ramadan are about freedom from the fire of hell. They're about freedom from the fire of hell. If we knew, if I knew, that I was shackled to the fire of hell, how desperately would I be pleading before my Allah? What would my communication be? What would my body language be? what would the last one or two days that I spent in the masjid be like? If we recognize that this was my month, this was my one chance to make amends with my Lord. So this is our opportunity. We take from greats like Umar radiallahu anhu and we learn what it meant to interact with Allah Ta'ala. We're so fortunate that we have the ability, we have the opportunity to in make that, to have that interaction. It could have been that Allah Ta'ala decided to separate himself or he created some sort of a, an, a, a method by which you could approach him. He says that, you know, in order for you to communicate with me, you need to speak to this person, this person will speak to this person. And because I'm the leader of the world, you can't directly connect with me. Connecting with Allah Ta'ala is as simple as just sitting down, facing the Qibla, and telling Him that you're sorry, and telling Him that you want another chance. These are the nights to do it, and these are the days to do it. But keep in mind, that it isn't like talking to one of your buddies. 
Although Allah Ta'ala is our close friend. It's not the same. It's not like talking to your child. It's different. You have to mean it. You have to accept your faults. You have to appreciate your weaknesses. And you just have to submit 100%. There's no deceiving Allah. There's no justifying our history before Allah. It is simply accepting who we are and asking Allah Ta'ala to forgive us and to have shower His mercy down upon us. It is simply pleading before Allah Ta'ala that He make us from amongst those who are freed from the fire of hell. If the Sahaba were worried about their state, what should our state be? So may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to appreciate the importance of these last couple of nights of Ramadan. Allah Ta'ala out of His mercy, out of His qudra, out of His power, His ability, put us on the list of those that are freed from the fire of hell during these last few nights. May Allah Ta'ala allow us to use our time wisely such that not a minute is wasted and that we use it to earn our salvation today before we miss this opportunity.